Hello, 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 everyone. This is Thinking to Think, the critical thinking podcast where we analyze topics such as civics, history, culture, philosophy, politics, and current events through a critical thinker's lens. I am your host, the social studies educator, Michael Antonio Aponte, also known as Mr. A. Every Sunday, we will have a new episode within these topics, as well as occasional special guests and recorded lectures with my students. So please subscribe, share, listen, and let's build a critical thinking society together. This is part two of the episode regarding censorship and um, a little bit of law and economics. And I want to start by talking about the current events of Wall Street bets. And before I get into the meat and potatoes of this, you have to understand where where everything is coming from, okay? So I'm going to give you a very economic cycle 101, like not even a 101. Uh, this is the very basic of economics, okay? So we have a cycle, whether it's a stock market cycle or an output GDP, uh, global domestic product cycle. We have an economic cycle that goes through the years, and it, sometimes it's months, but sometimes it's years. And think of it like a roller coaster or waves in the ocean. Uh, I like to say roller coaster. I like, you know, amusement parks. So let's go. I'm going to go with roller coaster. So you're in the roller coaster. It's a start. And you know how when the roller coaster starts climbing up? That's called expansion. When it starts going up, 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 up. Now, in the stock market, that's the expansion part. Okay, it's going up, you know, you're getting excited. And then there's the peak, that moment on the tippy top. And then it goes down. As it goes down, it really, most roller coasters don't go flat down. It's like kind of like in a, in a slant downhill. That's the recession or a bear market. The recession is the, uh, the economics part. The bear market is the stock market. Uh, the reason why they'll say negative or anything like that, bear, because you can make money when the stock market is going down. So that's called a bear market. And then once the recession um, gets to a peak on the lower end, hopefully it doesn't go too below because if it does, it goes into a depression, um, which is not good for anyone. But I digress. It goes to what's called a trough. A trough is like the bottom line. Trough is defined as um, like the the cycle of the bottoming. So it's that little turn, turnaround. Okay. And the um, once it starts going back up, then that's where we're going to recovery and then expansion. And that's the bull market. So you have the recovery, so it's like starting to creep back up, getting rid of all those losses. And once it passes the previous peak of the one that we talked about in the beginning, it, that's called the expansion or the bull market. And that's when stock bull market, stock prices go up, everybody's happy. Anyone that even knows basic stock market will be making money. Uh, you don't have to have a crystal ball in front of you to make money in a bear market. That's where usually institutional or organizations, big banks, that's where they make their money also. And that 
what leads me to uh, the current situation we're in. Now, I guess the best way to put this, and that is, I want to give you a story. Now that you have the basic of economics, right? The roller coaster ride, it goes a little bit more up. If it passes the previous peak, it's called an expansion. Um, in 2007 through 2009, uh, Mr. A, me, uh, I was, uh, I was just, I'm like showing my age. I was in my early 20s, uh, just finished college, and I was working two jobs trying to get by. And I decided that's when I resigned my commission and this in the military. For those of you that are not uh, long-term listeners, um, I was um, I resigned my commission as a military officer. Um, but digressing here. Anyway, um, so I was working two jobs, barely slept, trying to make ends meet, and. Things started looking up. I was a stockbroker trainee, hence the two jobs, because as a stockbroker trainee, at least at that time, I don't know about now, I was making around $300 a week in New York City before taxes. So there you go. And um, I had to work on a, a regular job overnight in order to pay the bills and to even pay for things like transportation because – for those of you that are familiar with uh, New York City and the Metro, it's expensive. But anyway, um, barely sleeping. I remember I probably sleep, having two full nights of sleep a week, and that was it. Um, and there were times where I would bring my clothes and bathe in the bathroom um, because I had to go from one job to another. But I finally got my Series 7 license. I was, you know, I understood the stock market. I started making money. The, the business, uh, the brokerage company that I worked for, started uh, doing some thing, questionable things. And I left and I ended up working at uh, JP Morgan, became a banker. And then eventually I became a wealth manager at Merrill Lynch. And that was my career. And Around this time, between 2008 and 2009, things were not looking good. I was a, still in my early 20s, um, and I had a baby face. I was young, and I had a lot of things against me. I wasn't part of a team. I didn't know any rich people because I was raised in the projects. Um, but I started – and that's when my eyes opened up economically – and started seeing there was a bigger world out there, at least in the finance world. And man, oh man, when the layoffs, offices closing, the purchase of a bank of, uh, from Bank of America, um, I thought it was a great idea to go into pharmaceutical sales because they told me it was uh, recession proof. And I started my own consulting company. So I was a financial consultant for a while. I did pretty well until regulatory fees and everything started increasing. Now, I'm fairly new to the industry as an independent advisor, and I just couldn't. I was breaking even, and I had to give up my Series 7 license. 
um, became late. I was laid off. I after a purchase from another, they purchased another company. They took us to our semi-annual resort, and then a few weeks later, they laid fifty percent of the sales force off um, due to reconstruction. So, needless to say, I got. The better story of the uh, what was now called the Great Recession. Some people lost their homes. I mean, I was I had to move back in. Eventually, I moved back in with family, um, so I, I can say I lost my home. Um, but um, other people didn't pan out so well, unfortunately. And now we fast forward to the economics today with um, the cycle that we're in. We were supposed. We went into a artificial recession, meaning it was a forced recession because of lockdowns and quarantine. Uh, hedge funds are betting companies would fail, and the one major company that most hedge funds, the, the larger ones at least, were focused on was GameStop. Now, how do you bet? that a company will fail in the stock market. It's not like you go to Las Vegas and you place a bet. You short, it's called you short, uh, shorting a stock. And I'm gonna explain that to you. So to short a stock, you borrow stock, you sell the stock that you borrowed and then buy the stock back and return it to the person you borrowed it from. So I'm going to give you an example. This is example from Investopedia. I'm going to give you two examples, one from Investopedia.com and one from my own. Now, let's say I believe Tesla is overvalued at $625 per share and is going to drop in price. The investor may borrow 10 shares of Tesla from their broker who then sells it for the current market price of $625. So they sold it. They borrowed it, 10 shares, and they sold it for the market price of $625. And this is, they believe the price is going to drop. Okay. If the stock goes down to 500, the investor could buy the 10 shares back at this price. Remember, they borrowed the shares. They still have to return it back. So they borrowed it, sold it at 625. Now they're buying it back at 500 per share. And then they take those shares that they just bought at 500 and return the shares to the broker with a net profit using $625 per share, 10 shares with the originally borrowed, sold it, and then they bought it back because they have to return what they borrowed um, at 500, 10 shares, that is a net profit of a hundred, oh, excuse me, $1,250. So that's $6,250 minus 5,000. However, okay, and this is a big if, okay, because it's risky. If the Tesla price rises up to $700, the investor would lose $750 because $6,250 minus $7,000, okay, 
Now, let me give you my example. Now, this is not really based on the stock market. Let's just say if this same, if the similar scenario, but we're we're just buying and selling. Okay. Let's say I borrowed a hundred PlayStation fives at five hundred dollars, thinking Sony is going to lower the price of four hundred dollars per PlayStation five because they want to compete with a new Nintendo and Microsoft uh, dropping price or something. Okay. I take my what I would call pre-orders because I'm borrowing and sell the 100 PlayStation 5s that I took in as pre-orders at $500 a piece. All my customers paid for their PlayStation 5s at $500 a piece. Now, let's say Sony tells me due to high demand and manufacturing costs, the price is now $600. Well, I took 100 orders for $500 per PlayStation 5. So my price was set. So I would lose $100 per system because I now have to buy those systems to give it to the people who paid, which would be a loss for me of $10,000. So um, in summary, I pre-ordered because I don't have it yet, um, 100 PlayStation 5s at 500, thinking it's going to go down in price, so I'm going to make $100 you know, per system. Price ends up going up, which is unheard of in the industry, and now it's $600. I have to still pay that extra $100 out of my pocket. That's a $10,000 loss right there. And that's how the stock market works when it comes to betting against it now what did the hedge fund companies do well they betted gme which is the ticker um, for gamestop would fall so much in fact they betted over a hundred and forty percent of the shares that are even available which means they did what was illegal and it's called naked shorts because you can't borrow the amount that is either unavailable or impossible to purchase. Okay, so 140%. So let's say there's 100 stocks to go around. They sold 140, just to simplify it. I mean, it's in the millions, but that's besides the point. I'm just trying to simplify it as best I can for you. Now... This is where Wall Street bets comes into play. Many saw within the group, within the Reddit group, the short list and saw an opportunity. And many of these members either witnessed firsthand or had parents who suffered from the greed of big banks back in the Great Recession. And many say they were willing to lose it all just to see the companies go bankrupt. This is what they're saying in the forums. And this has become a moral fight for many members of the Wall Street Bets Reddit members. Some who cashed out donated money to different charities and organizations such as children's hospitals, teachers' pensions, and other nonprofit organizations. Some even bought publicity to buy and hold more GameStop stock. However, News networks around the world and politicians have taken notice and began choosing sides 
here are the sides, in case you're wondering. You have Wall Street Bets and people who joined their movement versus Melvin Capital, the hedge fund company that did the largest short holdings of GameStop, not including all the other hedge fund organizations that follow suit. Um, because that's what they do. They they kind of like in the same club. Um, and I and I can tell you that firsthand as someone that's been in Wall Street, that literally worked in Wall Street, literally and figuratively. <laughs> so this is the, and this is where the frustration comes in 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 my from me, excuse me. The White House press secretary, uh, Jen Psaki, I could be butchering the last name. I am, and I apologize if I offend anyone for that. Not intentional. Uh, does not answer any questions directly about the matter. On January 28th, when questions of Secretary of Treasury and former Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen accepted $810,000 in speaking fees from Sidsdale which is the company that owns Robinhood and is, an, and is a major investor of Melvin Capital. You heard that right. Citadel is the owner of Robinhood, the stock trading platform, and is a major investor of Melvin Capital, the major hedge fund that held the highest stakes of shortening GameStop. And that question that when it was brought up on January 28th, and you can look this up yourself, went something like this. The reporter asked, are there any plans to recuss, uh, recuse excuse me, uh, herself from advising the president on the GameStop and Robin Hood situation? In which she replied, no, and she's an expert and deserves that money. This is in reference to the $810,000 that she received prior to accepting her position as Secretary of Treasury. Now, I'll leave that to you to think that is this a, is this a conflict of interest? Because currently, she is taking a pay cut working for the government. I believe it's around two hundred and ten or 220000 uh, a year working as Secretary of Treasury, whereas prior to, she was getting paid from major organizations to speak – like this eight hundred and ten thousand uh, dollars. So, my theory, and I'm going to call it a theory, is that White House is not really going to do much against um, Citadel and Melvin Capital, even though Naked uh, Shorts is not good. Oh, and um, I don't know, um, Naked Shorts just just. It is illegal. I, I can't stress that enough. Um, you cannot borrow more than what you cannot purchase. It's just as simple as that. So the SEC uh, is an independent agency. So unless Congress steps in, I, and I, I see no change on this matter. And for SEC, they have five appointed commissioners who oversees the SEC. Even though it's an independent agency, these commissioners are appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. We have a new administration, so we shall see. Um, I am doubtful, to be honest with you. And here 
is where I speak more about the drawing of the lines and people choosing sides. You have people like Elon Musk uh, and congressional figures like uh, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and uh, uh, and um, Ted Cruz. Um, this is very interesting in the fact that we're, we're going to see which Congress of representatives step up in the matter. Um, however, the major news networks have called for more regulation, not on companies like Citadel, but on the groups online themselves. So the major news networks chose a side. NASDAQ CEO was even invited for an interview and they and she conveniently agreed that there needs to be new regulation. And this is all in the name of protecting retail investors, uh, which is a sophisticated way of saying the average person, by the way. So I was trained that retail investor, and this was like kind of like the the mantra in wealth management and in um and just in the stock market in Wall Street, retail investors don't know how to invest. They lose money more than they gain. Statistically speaking, they are – it's relatively correct to be honest. Um, but retailers are fighting back now. And it appears to me that the system allows growth as long as you don't overstep your boundaries. And capitalism was not founded in that way. So when I see the backing of major news networks and big tech going against the average person, I feel compelled to step up and educate everyone what is truly going on. And everything that I said on Wall Street Bets comes from the source. I am telling you for what I'm witnessing and from, from conversations, this is what's going on. Now, I... I I want to stress this enough. I, I mean, I, I can't stress this enough. Um, if you simply watch the news, you would probably declare that Wall Street bets is nothing more but online trolls trying to control the stock market and don't know what they're doing. But you would be 100% wrong. Like I said, I was watching. I've been reading what they've been saying um, in their communities. This group is very sophisticated and highly educated, and they understand completely of the risk. And I do want to mention there are major risks and effects for bringing down a large financial firm like Melvin Capital and can cause a crash due to unprecedented, unprecedented influx of money and purchases with little selling. So... Where will this lead? Well, many investors around the world have taken part in this movement, and many people compare, especially in the news outlets, compare this to a tulip bubble, like you know, it's what's called FOMO, uh, fear of of missing out, fear of missing out, FOMO. Um, but I believe it's much bigger than the tulip bubble that happened many, many, many years ago that caused millions of people to, to, to lose everything financially. 
because there is a moral motivation behind this. And the tulip bubble was more of a get rich quick. So it's not the same in comparison, but they're trying to make people believe that it is. But it truly is not. Uh, Are there people that are investing in GameStop and AMC and BlackBerry and uh, uh, Dogecoin or Douchecoin or whatever whatever cryptocurrency? Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure there are people out there that think that they, oh, this is, they must, it it all makes sense. It doesn't. It's not supposed to. Um, Off the top of my head, I believe I read a quote from the Wall Street Bets crew that says something. We can stay, um, I don't know if they, okay. Now I remember they said something that I can't say on recording, but I'll re I'll change it up. It says we can stay uh, irrational as long as they can stay solvent. So in other words, they can, uh, you know, they can go bankrupt before they even stop acting irrational. So I don't know. Uh, only time will tell uh, what's going to come of all this. It's very interesting, exciting. And we shall see. So this is part two of um, the uh, censorship and current events. Hopefully not much will happen this week and I can go back to just traditional lecturing on critical thinking matters and and go from there. But I, I felt compelled to discuss this further. Because it is part of critical thinking. These are critical thinking exercises. You have to look at everything that's going on in current events, analyze the situation, you know, determine, look at all the facts, um, look at examples of the past and the present that are relevant, and make judgments for yourself. And if your original hypothesis was wrong, then humble yourself, admit to yourself that you're wrong. And just do just do good is the best way I can put it. Uh, again, don't forget to like, share, give me a five-star review. It uh, really helps out. Remember, I am just an academic teacher just trying to do the right thing and educate the masses on critical thinking. Uh, I don't try to uh, promote anything that I am uh, – any of my philosophies. If it's my opinion, I will tell you it's my opinion. And that's pretty much it. I wish you all around the world a beautiful day, evening, and I will see you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening to Thinking to Think with Mr. A. If you like our show and want to know more, check out my website in the description or please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, whichever platform you heard this episode. Please do not forget to share and spread the word. Join us next week where we will continue the fight to build a critical thinking society. Thank you and have a beautiful week.